0: Hello and welcome to the next in our Lincolnshire Wildlife Trust Wilder Lincolnshire podcast. Uh, I'm out and about today but also Matthew Kappa is out because last time on the podcast, Matthew, you said you were going to take me to somewhere special.
1: I did and there's a great big clue uh, right behind you as to where we are so... Welcome to Farings Nature Reserve, we're on the Humber, Uh, we have the iconic bridge behind us as a backdrop and uh, yeah, delighted to welcome you here today. It is fantastic, what a great sight, you've got nature
0: here but you've got that massive bridge right beside it, you know, it seems to be a strange sort of composition really, doesn't it?
1: It does, but actually the whole origin of this nature reserve comes from industry, and industrial background. So they used to have these uh, brickworks around here, and these were basically the clay pits where they dug the, the clay for the bricks from. And they're filled with water, and we've taken them on and turned them back to nature. Just before we started recording, we were looking across the reeds. You got quite excited, didn't you? I did, yes. In fact, you were, you were just saying... What what might you find in this kind of habitat? And I was just starting to go into a fairly long kind of explanation, and a bearded tit flew past, which was amazing. Is that quite uncommon? Oh, these are a really rare bird. They oh. are um, absolute reedbed specialists. So it's only these kind of wetland reserves, and there are not many reserves like this in the whole of the UK. So tit is a real special bird, so was really tough to get that. We're standing beside
0: the visitor centre. Let's go inside and have a look, if we can. Mm-hmm. So just come down to this way here. Let's go inside, into the main centre. Now, this is a behind-the-scenes
1: look, and there's all sorts of things going on here. Work has to continue, doesn't it? Oh, work never stops, yes, and, and it looks very seamless when you're kind of um, managing a visitor centre, but there's all sorts of things going on behind the background, and at the moment we're, we're pumping out the base of the, uh, the lift shaft.
0: Excellent stuff. Well, that's, that can carry on. We'll come into the stair area here, and you can hear a change in sound, and this is because we're coming into the, the main visitor centre. I've spotted on the walls here some great illustrations and artwork featuring the Bitten. Now, I'm hoping by the end of this podcast, to have seen a Bitten. I've heard them booming, but I have never, ever seen a Bitten. What are the chances?
1: Well, last, uh, last podcast, when I, I wouldn't tell you where we were going, I did promise you some good birds. At the back of my mind was the, the, kind of the hope that we might show you a Bitten. But they're really secretive, they're really, really shy, so there's no guarantees. We will give it a go.
0: And the lovely thing about it is, as we carry on our walk up to the... The top area here of the visitor centre is. I'm expecting that you've done this to get the views, have you?
1: Yes. So um, we we kind of moved the shop element up here a few years back because what we wanted to do was give people this amazing panorama. So as you move through, you're gonna you're gonna get the most amazing view in a second.
0: Wow. Okay. So we're coming into this. Wow. The the view here. If I look to, if I look to my right, I can just about see the Humber Bridge. That's the reed bed we were talking about a moment ago. Mm-hmm. You look right across to the estuary there. The panorama takes you around. You've got some birds on some feeders down here in front of us. We'll talk about those in a moment. And then this expanse of water with the reeds growing all the way around. And it is well, it's a special day today, a pheasant just flying over there. Uh-huh. This, is, this is such a great sight. And do you get many visitors coming up for a look from here?
1: Yes, and particularly because we've got the Viking Way uh, that runs along the back here on the, on the flood bank on the Humber. People are walking by all the time. And when we're open, they can come across a little bridge at the back into the center, and they can grab themselves a cup of tea, sit down. We've got some comfy chairs. And it is an amazing panorama. The whole sweep of landscape in front of you is just a wonderful place to be. Every time I come here, and I come here all the time, but every time I'm just blown away by the view. Let's, let's have a look through this side here,
0: which will give us the view across the Humber Bridge. Very busy, as it always is every day, if you think about the, the thousands of cars that travel over there. And you were telling me a bit about this reed bed in front of us. Did you say it was a dry reed bed?
1: Yes, which, which sounds like it's really boring, doesn't it? <laughs> but actually what I meant is, is there's a bit of a, um, a contrast on the reserve. So we managed it in different ways and we'll talk to Simon, our, our warden, a little bit later about all the, the kind of the hard work that he and his team put in. But this, this expansive reed bed in front of us is just on the shore of the Humber, so it's tidal and so on the larger tides the water will come right up to the flood bank and it will flood out this reed bed but it's all very flat so when the tide comes in and floods it It's wet. As soon as the tide goes back out again, it all just dries out. There's no real topography or features in there. So it is just a big wall of reed, and it's quite dry most of the time. The the kind of annual litter that the reeds kind of build up with all the seeds in it, um, they're perfect for the bearded tit. So I'm not surprised that that's where we got our bearded tit earlier, because they like dry reed beds, whereas on this side, where you've got much more water, much more topography, much more features. This is much more suited to bittern. So actually, we've got quite a nice situation here with two different types of reed bed.
0: Now, look, one of the first things that people will see if they're coming into the centre is you do have a a series of bird feeders here, and already
1: there have been a lot of birds on them. Yes, and um, all the common garden birds that you would expect, so we've had blue tit, great tit, robin, dunnock, um, they've been coming in all the time but on a wetland reserve like this with those extensive reed beds we're getting other things so there's been lots of reed buntings I know you got quite excited by reed buntings yeah males and females Um, so they're really smart and that's really nice to see and um, if you come into the centre not only are you going to get that view but actually you have the constant activity of the the birds coming and going so you can sit and, and just watch and uh, now you've got your binoculars, you can make the most of it.
0: I can indeed. I didn't need the binoculars earlier to see the dunnocks, uh, and they're quite promiscuous, aren't they? But we won't go into too many details. It's that time of the year, isn't it?
1: Yes, I think it's best left unsaid. The, uh, the kind of um, love life of the dunnock is quite an interesting one. <laughs>
0: well, I'm hoping we're going to see all sorts of things today, but we're also going to meet some of the team who are based here. And uh, first of all, let's have a chat with Leanne. I've actually come downstairs now and I'm going into the halt and what I'm going to find in the halt I'm not quite sure but I have found Leanne. Uh, Leanne hello there. Hello. So is this your natural habitat?
2: <laughs> I guess you could say that yes.
0: Tell me a bit about your background when did you become interested in wildlife and nature?
2: Uh, well really for as long as I can remember I think even as a tiny child My mum used to take us out to the woods and, you know, we used to spend quite a lot of time exploring. So, yeah, really as far back as I can remember.
0: Very different environment here, isn't it? You you come here and you look across an estuary every day. Isn't it fabulous?
2: It is, yes. It's wonderful. I mean, it has so many different... Um, sort of aspects and it looks so different every day depending on the weather and the time of year so yes it's you never get bored of the view out of the office window that's for sure.
0: Now we can't see out of the windows at the moment only a very low level because we're in the halt so what is the halt?
2: <laughs> the halt is one of our classrooms um, so we call it a classroom but we have lots of schools visiting and really the halt is a base for exploring the nature reserve so although it's a classroom we really prefer to think of the the nature reserve outside as our classroom because that's where we like to spend most of the time when we have young people or families out and about with us
0: And, and do you get a lot of response do you get lots of school groups wanting to come and use the facilities here
2: We do, yes. It's very, very popular. So we're booked out for the summer term already. Um, And then we do get some uh, groups coming in the autumn and some in the early spring as well. Um, And yes, and we get lots of families coming to our family activities that we do regularly and workshops and things that we do in the holidays. And do you do
0: some of those activities outside?
2: We do. We try and spend as much time outside as we possibly can because that's really our, you know, our natural classroom. We want to connect people with the natural environment and obviously we can do that outside and not so easily inside but we do have the Holt and the Burrow which are our sort of classroom bases where children can leave their lunch and uh, retreat into if the weather is is really challenging.
0: What sort of things do you do here then on the education front what are you finding what are you uh, getting the children to get involved with?
2: Um, It's a whole range of things. Um, What we want to do is connect people with our fantastic natural environment. So when the schools come, they need to do some certain things to meet their curriculum targets. So they might be looking at things like life cycles or adaptation of different creatures to their habitats. So we can do lots of um, activities outside, like looking carefully at the mini-beasts we can find, and those might be land mini-beasts, or pond dipping is very popular, where we um, use nets to see what we can find in the water. And we can look at really carefully at those creatures and their different life stages and their different adaptations, camouflage, All sorts of things. Um, And we also do things like uh, giving the children time to just sit and absorb what's around them you know to use their senses to, so to listen really carefully to have a good couple of deep breaths to see if there are interesting smells on the <laughs> the estuary um you know so it's it's trying to connect give them time outside and give them time to see and absorb how amazing our natural world is.
0: Leanne, thank you very much indeed. I'll leave you alone in your halt. (laughs) I'm going to go back up to the viewing area and catch up with Libby, who I think has got some interesting sightings to share with us.
2: I'm sure she has, yes.
0: So we've come back upstairs at the main viewing area at the Farings Nature Reserve and Libby's with me and we're standing in front of the sightings board. So do you keep this up to date for people?
3: Yes, our resident volunteer is in charge of putting all the sightings on our sightings board. We have it nice and clear with numbers so that you can tell exactly where these sightings have been seen and dates as well, so you know if it's been seen multiple times or if it was just a once stopover. Um, Our sightings board shows both sides of the reserve. So we have the visitors side, this side with the education and when we have lots of schools coming in, and it shows people how to get to the other side of the reserve where the warden lives and where lots of our hides are seen.
0: Now, I've just spotted down here bitten. This is my challenge today. I want to try and find a bitten before the day is out. What are my chances? Where do I need to go?
3: You definitely need to go down to the Ness farm, uh, Nest hide is where lots of our main attractions are seen and Nest hide is a double decker hide as well so it has an upstairs so you can see even further across the reserve and our warden has been very busy this winter cutting in some new channels so you can often see the bittern looking out on the channels.
0: Fingers crossed not just birds though I see Otter is on the sightings as well. I've never seen an otter.
3: Yes, we have uh, quite a big dog male otter. He travels quite far. He even comes down to the visitor's centre side as well. Uh, He leaves lots of fish bones and vertebrae all over our grass, so that's exciting.
0: Is it just the single otter then? Has he not got a partner here?
3: No, there's um, a lady as well. Oh, Uh, The warden has said that she might be kicking out the babies (gasps) and getting ready for new ones, so that's very exciting.
0: Excellent. I spotted across the corner there starlings, 5pm. I assume this is a starling murmuration, is it?
3: Yes, last night was the biggest one yet. Uh, almost 20,000 birds wow. filling the sky. They went right out into the Humber and came back over and landed and came down for the night just by the scrape tide.
0: Tell me a bit about your background in wildlife and nature. I think it goes back to grandad, doesn't it?
3: Oh, yes. My grandfather is a, a wildlife photographer, so I've spent lots of my years of my life on Lincolnshire Reserves, from Messingham down to the coast at Donanook, all the way down to Gibraltar Point.
0: And what's it like, then, working here at Far Ings?
3: It's an absolute dream come true. This is something that I've always wanted to do. Um, I was a primary school teacher before I started working for the education team at Fairings, and it was always a passion of mine to marry my two passions together, teaching children and uh, the love of wildlife.
0: I tell you what, it's perfect, isn't it? Tell me a bit more about the facilities here because the first thing is the view. When you come up here and I would imagine for the first time, like my first visit this morning to this area, you're just blown away by it all but you've got tea and coffee facilities and a shop, haven't you?
3: Yeah, we have a little wildlife shop where we sell everything from bird foods and feeders to greeting cards. Um, and we also sell tea and coffee at only a pound and it's very good coffee for just a pound. And we also sell lots of snacks and it's a great place for people to come and sit down and take in all the views, have a nice cup of coffee before they ponder on, on their next walk.
0: Libby, thank you very much indeed. Matthew is still with me today on our tour around. Been talking about different things. I've seen Bitten mentioned on the sightings board. Where do we need to go for the best chance of seeing a Bitten then, Matthew?
1: Well, I did ask them to, to rub that out before you got here, <laughs> but uh, seeing as it's there, um, we, will, we will do our best to find you on. So there's a, a hide down at the far eastern end of the reserve called uh, Ness End Hide. So there's a little car park down there. So we'll head down to the car park, walk across the nice little wildflower meadow into the hide there. I think it's probably one of the most reliable places in the UK to get views of Bitten. But I am bigging it up a little bit, you know, so we'll we'll see. I'm not guaranteeing it, but we're going to give it a go. Fingers crossed.
0: So, Matthew, we've moved away from the main visitor centre. We've come down to Ness End and we're heading towards one of the hides. So what's special about this area?
1: Yeah, so the reserve is quite large and, um, yeah, the Ness End bit of the reserve is where we are most likely to see a bittern. Oh,
0: okay, I'm getting very excited. Okay. Uh, we're going across the field at the moment. I have to say, we have had an awful lot of water around and this is very squelchy, isn't it?
1: Yes, so um, we, we've been trying to turn this back into a, a, a species-rich wildflower meadow. Um, it uh, is an area that had always just been uh, one species of grass grazed by sheep when we needed to uh give them somewhere um in the winter but um simon the warden here has been has been adding some real kind of botanical interest and um the first thing that he's done here is is sow it with um, a particular type of flower called yellow rattle right and yellow rattle are really interesting because um they're quite a pioneer species so they'll come into this this grass sward, which is really really tight and there's lots of um uh just kind of the sort of grass that you get in your garden really um, but yellow rattle is actually semi-parasitic on grass so it'll weaken the grass here and that'll allow there to be more gaps and it'll allow other flower species to come in later so so first of all a bit of yellow rattle and then over time we'll bring in other species and hopefully we'll have a really wonderful meadow at the end
0: really wet here at the moment i can't imagine this as a flower meadow but i tell you what we have just had a fantastic sighting i can still see it now is that a stone chat over there
1: yes it's been um popping down onto the onto the grass edge of the field to find little insects and then it flies back up onto the fence posts and really cooperative it sits there for a little while i know yeah it's a female so it's quite orangey the males would have a black head with a bit of a white on the cheek um so this is this is a female but a really special little bird so that's a really good sighting And, and again this is the sort of habitat they would like farings are suited to a stone chat Certainly in the winter. In the in the summer they would probably be breeding somewhere a bit more heathland-like or maybe in the uplands on our moorlands. But uh, in the winter these nice kind of reed bed and scrubby areas are, are perfect for them.
0: Well we're heading towards the hide now. I notice from this view here the hide is actually set up quite high. Again for good views.
1: Yes in a reed bed when it's a big expanse of um, Of tall reed you need to be able to look over the top of it Uh, and again what Simon our warden has done is cut channels in specifically put them radiating out from in front of the hide so when you sit in the hide you get a fantastic view
0: okay and hopefully a view of bitten no promise
1: no promise no promise but just to tantalize you a little bit more yes uh, I have it on good authority that a couple of Bittens flew this way about half an hour ago
0: Wow, now I was wondering whether I would only see them early in the morning and late in the evening. So they are active during the day then?
1: Yes, they'll wander around generally within the reed bed um, and in the winter actually end of the day is a good time to see them because they'll often roost in the same place. So wherever they've ended up during the day as they're fed, they'll often fly back to the same place in the evening. So that's a really good tip if you want to try and see one during the winter.
0: Well let's go inside the hide and see what we can find. Okay, we'll go into the main hide here and just go up to the right, climb up the steps, and immediately we're getting a great view across the reed beds. And you can see Matthew here, where an awful lot of work has been done and carried out, can't you?
1: Yes, I told you about the sort of the channels that have been opened up. That hopefully, if a bittern is is feeding here, with all of the wet edges. This gives us our, our best chance of being able to see one. A pair of
0: swans I can just spot?
1: Yep, yep, um, just right down the end there. Uh, I can see a coot out here, there's cormorant. Uh, I'll get the telescope out and uh, we'll see if we, can, if we can find anything else. Now again,
0: this is a, a different view to where we were at the visitor centre and I know you were saying earlier that down at the visitor centre there's actually a bit of salt that's got into the water there so that becomes a different habitat really, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it's a little bit more brackish down here. Sorry, down there. This is this is very much more fresh water, so um, there'll be more fish in here, so it's much more suited to the bitterns.
0: Again, uh, you know, where should I be looking for the bittern? Skulking around the bottom bits of the reed? Am I looking there?
1: Yes, so walking along the reed edges, so any of these channels um, with your binoculars, you want to be scanning down the left and the right-hand sides. They're really, really cryptically plumaged, so heron-sized bird, brown... Um, so they blend in really well but with a bit of patience and a bit of scanning we may well be lucky okay still getting this
0: dynamic of being in a bird hide very very wild open area and then the backdrop is still the Humber Bridge with all of the traffic going over that that I find quite an incredible juxtaposition really
1: it is, isn't it? Yeah, and I really like landscapes like that. I've always loved places like Salt Home on uh, Teesside. You know, you have these fantastic wildlife places set in a backdrop of, of kind of humanity and urbanisation uh, and industrialisation. And, and, industrialization. and it, it kind of shows you just how nature can bounce back really quickly if you give it the space and you give it the place.
0: Right, well, let's do some focusing in so what we can find as we have a look around the main area here. So we're in the upper level of the hide at Ness End. Matthew, we've got the binoculars out, we've got the telescope out. What have you seen so far?
1: Well, we've just had a water rail just go across this uh, left-hand channel here. Um, so that was really good. That was uh, a fleeting view, but but uh, a really good bird to get. Uh, very secretive, so um, that was quite nice. There's a pair of swans that are building a, a nest down here at the end. Some Canada geese further over here. We've got mallard just down uh, beneath us here. Uh, the cormorant that was on the little floating raft over there has just taken off. A couple of coots out here. And um, really nice duck species. Uh, there's a pair of goldeneye eye um, out here, and the, the male's been displaying to the female, so that's really nice.
0: And you were telling me, I know I keep on about the bitten, but uh, at one point we didn't have bitten here at all, did we?
1: No, so, so they were breeding... Um, here we kind of created this wonderful wetland and um, Bitten's like uh, what they call early successional reed bed. So that is reed bed that is very wet. So there's lots of uh, access to catch the fish that they need. Um, and over time, reed beds, because you get this annual buildup of, of leaf litter, they tend to dry out uh, and and they silt up. So we we actually lost them as a breeding species here. Um, and uh, it was only with the arrival of, um, of Simon uh, and uh, a kind of a real focus of his expertise, but also of, a, of a, uh, an injection of funding, that we were able to rejuvenate the, the reed beds and bring them back as a breeding species. Well, let's
0: talk to Simon, the warden here at Farings. So what was the first challenge when
4: you arrived? Um Getting the reed beds young and wet again, I think, was the was the biggest challenge. Really, they were they they'd very much dried out and were late successional, which is completely opposite of what bittens need. Um, so yeah, getting the the these channels um, working and operating, getting the fish to repopulate the the reed beds, and that's because the bitten what is there wanting to be near
0: to the fish. They're quite secretive, but they just want to be on the edge to catch the fish then, do they?
4: Yeah, they'll sit on the edge of the reed bed and fish into the, the, the open water. But What they want is that protection that the reed bed offers, so that if they feel threatened in any way, shape or form, they will just take one step backwards and because of the cryptic camouflage, they just vanish.
0: We talked about the channels going through here. Now, what
4: part do the channels play? Why are they so key? It's it's a twofold thing really. Firstly, it, as a habitat itself, it's better for bittens because it, it provides more opportunities. But these ones here in front of the hide, uh, are, we do these deliberately so that it increases people's chances of actually seeing a bitten. The interesting thing
0: is when you arrived here, there were no bittens on site. And it's actually turned
4: around relatively quickly, hasn't it? Well, we know what they need. there's There's been so much research done on bittens, so we, we know exactly what, what it is that they require from a habitat. It's just a matter of being able to replicate that, which of course takes a lot of experience and and money. I think the key is that people think you can just leave an area
0: to wildlife but you do need to manage it depending on what you're trying to
4: attract don't you absolutely yeah i mean obviously it depends on the habitat so for example woodlands are a a climax community they they don't need a huge amount of management but reed beds if you leave them will become um, wet woodland and then ultimately dry woodland it's a transient habitat so if we want to keep them as they are then we, we need to manage them you're passionate about what you do, so much so you actually live on site, don't you? <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, it's it's a brilliant place to live, and it's a fantastic place to bring my children up. Because um, I mean, I was out with my youngest boy last night, watching fifteen thousand starlings coming into roost, and uh, he's very excited by by just you know, living and being surrounded by by wildlife. And, and where did your interest in wildlife start? From my granddad, actually, um, and fishing, um, we used to go fishing on the on the canal in Keithley. Nineteen seventy six, a, a kingfisher landed on the end of my granddad's fishing rod, and that was me hooked.
0: I'm sure it was. Excuse the pun. Sure. <laughs> We've got some geese making a bit of noise in the background as well.
4: Oh, Canada geese, yes. We've got no shortage of them. Um, but they are very entertaining when they, when they pair up and then they're constantly fighting and jostling.
0: I'm in about the best spot to possibly see a bittern,
4: but I don't think my luck's going to be here today, do you now? Well, that's what bitterns do. They, they torment you. and you'll, You will either see... Absolutely breathtaking views of one walking around sticking its tongue out at you or you'll, <laughs> you'll wait for another eight years and never see one. They're, they're such an enigmatic species. I think this is the best place in the UK to see them.
0: Well, how many have we got on site, do you think,
4: now? It's difficult to tell because um, we still have some of the wintering population, but the, 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 the males that will breed here this year have already started booming. We've got at least four boomers. And, and what
0: are people listening out for? That boom, if they haven't heard it before, it, it's quite a haunting sound, isn't it? And it can be so loud and
4: carry quite a distance. It carries a long, long way, yeah, two, two, three kilometres sometimes, if, if you get the wind in the in the right direction. I mean, it sounds a bit like somebody blowing in in the top of a of a glass bottle. Um, at the moment, they 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 the sort of more grunting than proper booming. Yeah. Um they, they fill, you can hear them filling their air sacs open sort of mm. Boom, boom. Mm. but it's really quite strange. You you think that they're ill, actually. But <laughs> it
0: sounds wonderful. Matthew, you've got your binoculars on the go, no bitten.
1: Uh, I was listening to your conversation while scanning intently. Um nothing yet, but uh, there's still there's still time.
0: Well, yeah, we've got a little bit more time here, but we're just at the end of our Wilder Lincolnshire podcast, unfortunately. It's been absolutely fantastic having a look behind the scenes here at Farings. What a special place it is.
1: It's a really life-affirming place. It's so biodiverse it has such variety um from the wildflower meadows you know the orchids in the summer we've talked about starling murmurations we've talked all about the the reed bed species um but there's some woodland species here as well in all of the scrub that you get so you can get so many species as well with the humber just on the other side of the bank any visit here is always worthwhile yeah Uh, any idea what we're going to do next month I think we might take you to another reserve, actually. Oh, OK. Will I be by wellies? Probably not. Probably okay. not.
0: all no. right, you're teasing me as usual. Hopefully you've enjoyed our third Wilder Lincolnshire podcast from the Lincolnshire Wildlife Trust.
1: Thank you for listening to the Wilder Lincolnshire podcast from Lincolnshire Wildlife Trust. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a follow or subscribe from the usual channels, And please tell your friends and family to give us a listen too.